0: It's Calgary's Podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hello, this is Mario Taneguzi coming to you today with Calgary's Podcast, a member of Canada's Podcast Network, where we talk with the entrepreneurs who are making it happen in Calgary, Alberta, so you can listen, discover, and engage. Today's guest is Sheena rogers Piper, founder and chief strategist of Anstice Communications. Thanks for joining us today, Sheena. Thanks for having me. Let's start with just a a general question about your company, how you started it, when, and uh, what you guys do.
1: Sure. So I started Anstice in 2009, and it was um, at the time when it was formed, it was, I guess you could say, a little bit more of a traditional public relations agency so focusing a lot on reputation, crisis comms. Um, we did a lot of work within hospitality, real estate development. And then over the years, um, we've evolved now into a full um, marketing communications and research um, agency, What we're uh, how we're forming it. And uh, yeah, we have a, a variety of different industries that we serve from still hospitality and real estate through to consumer goods and technology and energy sector and you name it.
0: Okay, how did you get involved? Like, uh, like, what was your interest in this field, uh, and where did that come from?
1: Well, I've always been in the communications field, so um, I was I did my undergrad in Vancouver. I worked for the Canucks in their communications department, which was really interesting working for the NHL. And then I actually ran the bid campaign for the Vancouver Olympic bid at the time, which was. A massive project and to be honest really burnt me out so I moved to Calgary and got a wonderful job at Three Sisters Mountain Village running their international PR and marketing program and then the mayor of Calgary at the time actually Dave Bronconnier and the CEO of Three Sisters Mountain Village had approached me to say hey we we're called Calgary Municipal Land Corporation, and would you come over and run the marketing communications for what we now know as East Village? So I started the East Village brand, really worked closely with the board and the CEO on driving land sales and land value, and then at the time, for me, working in sort of semi-public-private wasn't really my jam, so to speak, um, and I started to get calls from different agencies and companies all over Canada asking me to consult on what was mostly like a lot of the recreational and um, I guess you say more condo hotel type product that was out in the market at the time. And I decided to jump ship and go on my own and consult. And then all of a sudden, Anstice just kind of happened. It grew fast. And yeah, we hit it at the right time.
0: Okay. Got to ask, where does that name come from?
1: Yeah. So it's Greek for resurrection. And I think I found it in like a wine-induced Google search. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I really liked the meaning of it because it really reflected where I was at my career at the time. Um, but then it also really reflected what I thought we were going to be able to provide to our clients, which is sort of that rebirth or um, that resur- the meaning of resurrection.
0: So tell me, uh, when you look at what you guys do, and and, and uh, as a company, you know, there's tons of, of uh, communications companies out there, right? Uh, like, what sets you apart? Like, well, what kind of things do you do that are that are different, I guess, than others?
1: Yeah. So I founded the agency because I felt like there was a huge gap in strategy, and strategy can mean so many different things. It's very subjective in our age in our industry, you could say. But what I found, two things with strategy that were missing, is there was never a group, because I sat on the other side of the table for years prior to starting NSTES, there was no one that could really sit at the table with me as a business partner, that truly understood my business, that understood the ins and outs of it, um, it could speak to it. Real estate at the time was a very, it's a very specific industry, right? It's one that requires you to understand how to talk about pro formas and different types of operational plans. So... For me, I had that background, I had that skill set, and I couldn't find anybody else that had it. Also, I had a really hard time finding any agency that really used communications. Everything was very creative-driven, so all of the solutions would come from a creative standpoint rather than a business or strategic standpoint.
0: So uh, speaking of doing things differently, uh, tell me about a, a, a new hire you have.
1: Yeah, so we just made a hire, Dr. Mark Zabo, and he's been in, I guess you could say the agency world for almost 25 years. I don't want to age him on here, but um he is um he's got his PhD and uh he specializes in um, you know, I'm going to totally screw this up on what his PhD is in, but it has to do with um Crisis mitigation. He wrote a book. He's um, going to be a published author. Um, so, actually, his book is going to be um, used for post secondary education um, learnings, which is really exciting. So, um, he's a fairly new hire to the agency been working with Mark for a long time um, as a consultant or a subcontractor for the company for our clients and we brought him in because we really see that what we've always sort of had embedded in the agency from a research standpoint we can really start to evolve and we can extrapolate and be able to give more to our clients especially during the time now where the hum- understanding the human landscape is so much more important than ever before. And, you know, really, you're only as successful today as people allow you to be, as we know, Mario, given technology. So for us, um, what we're able to now offer through having Mark on the team is we're able to actually go out and be able to not only predict behaviors and mindsets and values, but then we're able to also validate Um, as a result of those specific tactics or plans um, or investments that our clients make. So we can help them make the best decisions because there's so many ways in which they can speak to their clients or speak to to all the different areas where they can invest their dollars. So we're hoping that we can provide um, a little bit more um, clarity around that and make them feel better about um, where they can see ROI.
0: Okay. What's the biggest challenge you've faced being an entrepreneur? Huh.
1: <laughs> how much time do you have <laughs> uh wow I've been in the I've been in this for 10 years now and uh, you know that's it's a really interesting question I think I've had a lot of challenges and I would say the biggest one for me that stands out is time um, I'm a mother I have three young children and during you know each of those pregnancies and deliveries um, that was time that was taken away from my business and I always think to myself like what what I have done or what could I have done if I never had, if I never went through that and I love my children, don't get me wrong. And, um, but it's one of those things that always kind of haunts me in the back of my mind is like, what could I be doing? How can I create more time, um, with what I'm doing to get further ahead? I would also say the people piece has been challenging. I didn't get a degree in human resources. Um, I am skilled at what I do. So learning the people piece has been a huge, huge uphill Learning curve for me.
0: When you look back over your career, uh, when uh, when you think of all the people that have given you advice, is there anything that sticks in your mind in terms of the best piece of advice you've been given for being an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, I guess the one thing that really stands out to me was I had advice um, from someone um, that well, he basically said to me, hire around, hire for your weaknesses, right? So look at where you're weak. And rather than trying to fill that yourself, which I had done for a number of years, step away from it, make the investment in, you know, bringing the people on that don't comment you, right? That aren't like you. And for a long time, I hired a lot of people that I feel were uh, like me and reflected me. And uh, yeah, I had to learn the hard way and some of that as well, that that wasn't always going to work out. But uh, yeah, it's knowing your weaknesses, being able to be self-aware and get out of your own way, really.
0: Looking back over your career, if uh, you were doing something else um, and you weren't doing what you're doing now, any thoughts of what kind of a career you'd be involved in and what kind of a profession you'd do?
1: Well, when I was in, I think, junior high, I wanted to be a much music VJ. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I always, like funny, I always saw myself as being in the entertainment industry. So um, whether it was being um, working for an agency in the entertainment sector, um, doing something with a stage. I've always loved the stage. Um, I could see myself as a great host. Like, I've always wanted to kind of go that direction. Maybe one day.
0: How would you describe yourself? Somebody would ask you, like, give me one word to describe yourself. What would it be and why?
1: Um, I would have to say Survivor would be the word that comes to mind. I just I operate out of survival instincts my whole life. Um, one of my closest friends the other day told me that um, he read some sort of study that the most successful entrepreneurs are those that remain almost in crisis mode 100% of the time. Because as an entrepreneur, when you're in crisis mode, you hustle harder, you roll up your sleeves, like you do whatever you gotta do, and you always make it happen. And then as soon as things become a little less critical, you kind of get into comfort mode and that's when you actually start to see that effect. So he, t- he said that to me and I went, wow, that really rings true um, because I always feel like I've been in survivor mode for the last 10 years.
0: <laughs> okay. Now, you, you mentioned uh, having young children. Uh, how do you, um, you know, everybody talks about the work-life balance, et cetera. How do you deal with that and uh, how do you manage that?
1: Yeah. I don't think there's such, I don't think work-life balance exists, to be honest. I think that um, it's more about a work-life rhythm or a life rhythm. So everybody has a different rhythm and I can always tell when my rhythm is off, when my drum beat is faster or slower because it affects me, right? It shows up as stress or it shows up as anxiety or you just feel off. So for me, I have my own rhythm And it's really hard to describe or to explain to someone exactly what it looks like. But my rhythm means that I'm feeling like I'm um, putting enough time or energy into my children, Um, and I are spending quality enough quality time together. Things are flowing at work. There's just this. It's really difficult to explain, but it's this feeling of being in this steady drumbeat. Um, And that's what I think people, doesn't matter who you are, have to aspire towards because everyone's drumbeat is going to be different.
0: How do you get into that sort of zone or rhythm?
1: Yeah, I think it's a mindset. I think you have to check in with yourself every day. It's almost like a form of meditation in a lot of ways. Like I always try to do just a daily check-in with myself on how do I feel today? Where do I feel that I'm off, right? And I might wake up and feel like my relationship is off. Or I might wake up and feel like, you know what, I today I really have to invest in my kids. Like I feel like they need me today or I feel that I need them today. And so I, because I'm an entrepreneur, I also have that freedom and flexibility to be able to adjust things accordingly, um, to be able to put my time in um, where it's necessary or make sacrifices. Hopefully that makes sense.
0: As entrepreneurs, you know, ideas come in all sorts of uh, places and, uh, and times. Do you find that there's any outside of your kind of office environment, whether wherever that may be, whether it's an, an actual office or whether it's home, et cetera, outside of those places, where do you find inspiration and ideas? Uh, where do they come from? Uh, are there particular places and things you do?
1: Well, for me. There's two places they show up. One is when I'm blow drying my hair. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> it's time consuming and you're in your head and you can think through things and you're alone. Yeah. Um, but the other place I would say where most of my ideas come from are in the car. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I commute a lot. Um, and also just, I guess, before Vancouver, when I was in Calgary, I my job is I'm out all the time meeting with people. I'm not really in the office that often. So I'm always in my car. So I started to get into podcasts And man, I got to tell you, like they've changed my life in so many ways. Like I get, they just spark so many ideas. They invigorate me. They excite me. Um, I really get inspired by other people doing great things. And I also find that a lot of them have a lot of transferable information. So you might be listening to a podcast on science, um, but then you might be able to take a piece of that. And I'll I'll think of a client of mine that I think, you know, a piece of information could be applicable to. And, you know, then I can go back to my computer and say, hey, I just I thought about this or I learned this. What do you think about this as an approach or have you thought about this as from a strategic standpoint and, or learning? Um, and also just from, you know, growing a business and you know, running a business, I've learned so much.
0: So you mentioned, uh, you know, you know, the listening of the podcasts and uh, getting inspiration and ideas, et cetera, from from others. Um, what do you hope people get out of this podcast from you?
1: Well, um, honestly, I do a lot of these things and I really just try to be, I just want to be real, right? I just want to be upfront. I i don't sugarcoat things. Um, I hope that people will be able to listen to me and take away something, some sort of tidbit that they can apply or that will maybe help substantiate a thought that they have or a feeling that they have because it's really lonely being an entrepreneur. And the one thing I found is the more you get to talk to other entrepreneurs and hear from other entrepreneurs, it's like therapy, right? It You, you always take something away.
0: Do you have a certain entrepreneur, I guess, out there that you emulate and uh, like to take uh, ideas and, and an example from?
1: Um, there's a lot. Um, I really... Uh, it's a tough question because I have a lot of people that I look to. I would say within my closest circle, um, he's one of my longest friends and he's someone that has taught me a lot and that I go to all the time, which is uh, Walker McKinley, who owns McKinley Burkhart, And you know he's really grown that company to be global, really, in a lot of ways. Um, so he's someone I go to for a lot. I really spend a lot of time researching a lot of tech entrepreneurs lately. I've also started a tech company this year, um, which is my side hustle, so to speak. Um, But it's something that's everything that we do at NCTE. So I've been spending a lot of time in that space. And I really have a lot of time for the founder of Bumble. She's someone that um, I read a lot of literature on. She's a new mom. She's a woman. She went through... Um, a pretty tumultuous climb to get to where she is. Um, so yeah, I like those kind of stories. I like the chat.: I like
0: the survivor stories. Oh, okay, super then. Any reason for that?: or?
1: I think it's because I'm innately a survivor in my own mind, so I really can resonate with people who fight fight hard for what they want.
0: Okay, final question for you. I'm going to present a scenario. Uh, We're going to uh, take you to a small tropical island, beautiful place in the middle of the ocean. There's only one phone booth there. Uh, However, there is no internet, no other technology. So when you're there, just wondering, how long do you think it would take you before you make that phone call to call us up and uh, say hey I want to go back home Uh, and secondly what do you think you'd do while you were there
1: sounds really nice actually (laughs) (laughs) Um, honestly I think I would last about a week maybe max I would say even five days I think I'd really enjoy it when I got there and I would I would create this sort of wanderlust you know, thought in my mind that, oh, I'm going to do yoga every day and I'm going to meditate and I'm going to build sandcastles and I'm just going to sit with my thoughts. And, you know, I could probably do that for a solid two or three days, but then I would get really anxious because I get like that and I want to start doing. So I would pick up the phone and yeah, definitely call whoever to get me off that island within five days for sure.
0: Okay, great then. Well, thanks for joining us today, Sheena.
1: Thanks, Mario.
0: Hey there. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to Calgary's podcast on Canada's podcast network. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters and write a review for us on iTunes and then connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn at Canada's podcast. You can also check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. See you next time.